Welcome to today's show. In this special episode of Beyond Autistic Burnout, today we're diving deep into an often overlooked connection, your finances and burnout. I'll be joined by financial expert Brian Hewn. We'll unveil how burnout stealthily impacts your money in unexpected ways, from emotional spending to career earnings. We're exploring 10 distinct facets, and we'll highlight those and go deep on a couple of them. Join us on LinkedIn and YouTube today as we navigate the intricate relationship between burnout and your financial well-being. So stay tuned for insights that could transform the way you perceive and manage your money during burnout. Get ready for this really, really fun show today. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us each episode, I'll be joined by an inspiring guest as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on a journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. It is my pleasure to welcome a financial expert who's on a mission to redefine the relationship between burnout and your money. Brian Hewn, a seasoned consultant and advisor, is here to guide us through the intricate ways burnout impacts our finances, from career trajectories to spending habits. Brian's insights are bound to reshape the way we approach financial well-being. Welcome to the show, Brian. I'm so thrilled to have you on Beyond Autistic Burnout today, my friend. Carol Jean, thanks for having me. It's always so much fun to talk to you. And this oh. picture is great. Thank you for putting this picture up. I think a lot of times, like at the beginning, you know, you put on like the fake awkward smile, but this is really making me smile, this picture here with my family. So... <laughs> This totally made me smile too, because I think this is one of the things that you and I really connected on when we first met was we were talking about our values. Like it's so important. And this is one of the foundational elements in the unveiling method is we really look at it and align our values. And when we're talking about our financial health and our money, that's the heart of it. And, and that's the heart of how you approach it. And I think, you know, family is such a big critical part of this for so many of us. And when I saw this picture, I immediately lit up because I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this so much. How, how are like the values, I mean, not just family, but how are values, how do you see that showing up in, in our financial habits, especially as it sort of relates to burnout for so many of us? Yeah, the for me, when it comes to finances, values is everything. It's the foundation of it all. You know, and I, I think, and I'm not the only one, I think everybody falls into this trap, but for so long, like I didn't pay attention to where my money was going. I just was like, I'm unhappy, I'm stressed out. So I want to go buy this, you know, this new car, or I want to, you know, 
go travel to a bunch of concerts or whatever it was that I wanted to spend money to try to be happier because during my nine to five, I was pretty much miserable all the time. Um, so now what I've done is just like distilled my life down to the three values that are most important for me. Number one is the relationships and that's the family primarily. Right. And then number two are the experiences that I want to have, you know, because time is finite. Um, and then the third one is the legacy and purpose behind what I'm doing every day. And so every dollar, like, of course there's basic needs that are going to be spent no matter what, but then above and beyond basic needs, uh, every dollar I spend has to touch at least two of those buckets or I'm not spending that money. That that's, oh my gosh. Yes. When you can have sort of the, the rules for you and, and that's the thing. And I think we forget this is we get to make up the rules for how we spend our money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, okay. So I, I really, this money and, and sort of the energy and my physical response to money. Oh man, th this was like, I panicked whenever I thought about money and finances. It stressed me out because I didn't really have a lot of financial health, I guess, you know, and a lot of conversation didn't happen. There was a lot of fear around money in my household growing up. So that showed up in my body. And, you know, when we're talking about burnout and that's like chronic and consistent unmet needs, one of our 30 basic human needs is financial wellness to feel like we are safe within our finances. How do you see this? Because I, I love what you say is like finance is not math because I'm I am a data person and I love numbers, but I'm not necessarily a math person. So mm -hmm. for those who might be joining us today, Brian, that are just like this scares the living bejesus out of me. I'm not a math person. I don't do numbers well. What are some things that you'd like to share with people around this? That money is simply a tool. You know, I think uh, for the long, you know, there's the saying time is more valuable than money, right? And I think everybody says that, but I don't think there's a lot of people that actually internalize that. And, and I have, and, and when I actually did start to internalize that and I started to incorporate the values more, like I said, um, I start viewing money more as a tool. And so it doesn't matter how much I have. Like it really doesn't to me. I don't care how many zeros are in the bank account. I'm not competing with anybody to, to try to have more money than anybody else. It's not to show off how successful I am, you know, it's simply to live the life that I want to live. So it's a tool, just like any other tool. If I'm going to, you know, I don't know, I don't build houses, but if I'm going to hang a picture in my house, I need a hammer, right? So if I'm going to live a happy life, I need money to do that. And, and that's the only way I look at it now. It, I have really, my whole entire money approach and my money mindset, my money health and financial health has really transformed over the last few years. As I've, as I started to get out of burnout, it, I really started to, I guess, have the bandwidth um, to, to start diving into what is my financial health? Cause I realized that that was one of my unmet needs um, that I didn't have that. And for so many people that I talk to, I mean, when we're looking at the autistic ADHD population, we are 80 to 85% statistically unemployed or underemployed. And I'm part of a disability inclusion leadership 
networking um, organization called Profound. And I was just, I just flew in last night from New York City. And I had been in New York for a live networking event that we had for Profound. And one of the things that I love, the founder and CEO is Meredith Sadele. And when she was sharing with our group at our breakfast yesterday morning, um, or Wednesday morning, I mean, she said, look, one of the biggest impact areas that I want our organization to have is on the underemployment within the disabled population. Mm. Because one, and to me, I mean, that's one of the reasons I joined Profound. And, and to me, it was one of the most important elements because my entire career, my entire adult life, I've been underemployed because I would excel, I would do very well, and then I would hit burnout. And then I wasn't able to maintain, I wasn't able to go forward, and that impacted my money. And what what I I look back over now, and it's like burnout was keeping me broke in so many yeah. ways, not just from the numbers and, and the money, but it was keeping me broke emotionally. It was keeping me broke on my energy. It was keeping me broken in so many ways. And that's why I started Mind Your Autistic Brain. That's why we have the talk show so we can have these kind of conversations. And um, I put together a list and I, I love how gracious and wonderful you are um, to kind of go through these and, and pick out some of the highlights. So I put together a list and, oh, let me move this little banner so we can see the whole shebangy, right? <laughs> so as we look at this, I've got, I put together a list of 10 ways that in my research over the last three years, these were the ways that kept coming up that were impacting people in, who were in burnout in their money area. So one of those was impulse spending, neglecting finances, overworking and undervaluing personal time, emotional spending, not planning for the future, neglecting financial education, avoidance of financial conversations, ignoring the money warning signs, compromising professional growth and financial perfectionism. So these, this is just sort of my running list here of, of the top 10 that came up. And I would love to just kind of dive into a couple of these with you and maybe go a little deeper because I know that the way that you teach and the way that you look at money and finances, especially because you have your own personal burnout journey in this. And Brian, I would love yeah. for you to share that with us if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. I was actually going to say, let's go back a minute, because uh, what you were saying about underemployed, that resonated really deeply with me. Um, and I've never heard of it in that context until just now. But I was underemployed for a long, long time. <laughs> You know, you and I have talked about how I just never really felt like I fit in. You know, I didn't know what it was. I thought there was maybe something wrong with me and I just need to keep trying and keep trying to conform. And and I think part of that is is um, what led to unhealthy, uh, an unhealthy money mindset, because I always felt like I needed more. I needed more. I don't have enough because I was so miserable from not fitting in and not being comfortable in my own skin that I wanted to get to a point where I had so much money where I never had to do that stuff again, you know, and now where I'm at a point where uh, I've, I've gotten to understand myself a little bit better, understand how my brain works. Um, now I can think a lot more rationally about it. You know, I'm not trying to keep up with anyone else, you know? And, and so that, that, 
I think that just factors in so big to the financial mindset because a lot of times everything we do around money, whether it's trying to have the highest net worth or trying to spend money on the coolest stuff, it's because we're trying to fit in. Oh, yes. And the second largest unmet need in my global research into burnout is belonging. The need to belong, to feel seen, heard, and understood, to have a group of people that get me and I get them. And when it comes to money and how we perceive money and how we use money as the tool to sometimes help us to fit in, it ties into so much. I mean, so when we get into this list, you know, when we were going through it backstage, it was like, we were talking about, you know, impulse spending and emotional spending. And you're like, I can talk about it, but I'll have like personal experience. I was like, oh boy, do yeah. I have experience <laughs> in this one. That was one of my big ones. And it was all about, and oh my gosh, as you say that, it, it's really landing for me. So thank you. It That was how I was trying to, to fit in, you know, to make sure that I, I had the, the clothes that I would fit in with the group that I wanted to be part of, or, or I thought I wanted to be part of, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it was to, you know, quote unquote, have the things that I thought mattered, whether I asked myself, do these really matter to me, was a different discussion, right? Because I was looking at things going, oh, I need to, I have to, or I should have these things so that I yeah. fit in with my peers. But I, when I stopped and really asked myself in retrospect, I was like, I could care less about that stupid thing. I don't know why I bought right. that. I don't know why I thought I had to have that. Yeah. And it really does. Oh, my gosh. Brian, this is why I love talking to you. That's, <laughs> like, just <laughs> dropping the knowledge bomb there. So it's, it's funny because you and I were almost the opposite. You felt like you didn't fit in. So you wanted to spend a lot of money and have stuff to look like you were fitting in. And... I did that to an extent, like I always wanted to have cool cars because I wanted people to think that I was successful, but I didn't buy a lot of like stuff. I would um, almost like over planned for the future. I saved too much money because again, I was trying to get to a point where I could just like stop doing this stuff that was driving me nuts, you know, making me miserable. So it's two different um, responses to basically the same type of feeling. And it's so interesting because I went from one extreme to the other. And until you just said that, I didn't recognize that I had. So I went from like this very prolific sort of emotional impulse spending stage to where I went to the opposite when I started to dive into and go, okay, I got to figure my money crud out because this is out of control and it's not working. Then I went to the extreme of like, I, I was... I was almost hoarding every penny and I was in such a scarcity stage of like, I won't spend anything. I was, I had like done the, like the Dave Ramsey lockdown, you know, <laughs> where I was like, I spend nothing other than what is absolutely necessary. And it was interesting. It kind of so aligns with my Enneagram five that I am. So if you're an Enneagram five out there, you may, you may be feeling this too. It's like, I won't have enough. So I can't, I can't spend or allow anything. And it's like, I remember running around, like turning off and unplugging everything. And it was like, I was only going to drive from point A to point B. And I was calculating like the gas I was using. So, I mean, I went from like one extreme <laughs> to the other and I'm like, okay, neither one of these things are working for me. They're, they're both killing me. Yeah. 
And it's it's amazing. I don't know if you've experienced this as well, but as you get to a point where you understand yourself better, you know, and um, you're you're more comfortable in your own skin, and you can kind of create this environment around you that suits you, then you like you stop worrying about money. I, I don't I don't have a scarcity mi- mindset at all anymore. Um, I, I just want to pay my bills, make sure my bills are covered because like the work I'm doing really fills me up. And I'm probably never going to want to stop doing it, you know? Yeah, I do know. And you know what's really interesting? I uh, I was at a conference in California last week and we were doing a whole lot. I mean, it was a business conference, but what's interesting is we did a whole lot of just interpersonal work, personal development work, right? And And we, some of us, you know, we were having a conversation around money and how so much of our, our, our approach and our emotional response, our physical response to money is very different now. And I noticed, and somebody had said, you know, I hardly look at, other than when I sit down and I'm going over everything and I'm just paying my bills at the beginning of the month, I don't really look at my accounts like I used to. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't either. I used to look at mine multiple times every day. It was like I was constantly checking it because there was this underlying belief and fear that somehow it it wasn't going to be there or that it was going to go away or it wasn't going to be enough. And I had bills coming out. And now I know that it's there. I don't look at it other than, you know, to check in periodically, make sure the right things are there moving in and out just to make sure that those technical things are working. But other than that, I don't check it from a standpoint of I'm afraid it's not there or there's not enough of it. And that has been huge for me. The amount of energy and guys, when we're talking about burnout and money, like that is a huge energy expenditure. Did you ever experience that, Brian? Oh, totally. Yeah, I was always checking, you know, the the bank accounts and seeing where things were at. And it again, it was just that like scarcity mindset of, of worrying that I'm not going to have enough. Um, and now I don't really look as much anymore. Um, I still check my investments every day because that's just kind of in my nature. Like I like to geek out over that stuff, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but like the funny thing is, um, I pay less attention to my finances, but I have more confidence than ever that the finances are continuing to grow and the financial situation is continuing to get better and better and better. Yeah. And guys, we wanted to share this kind of piece of the conversation before we dive into sort of all of the parts and pieces of the burnout element and how it impacts your money, because Brian and I both feel it's really important for people to know what's possible, right? Because I I am the possibilitarian in the world because when we're at burnout, and this is one of the ways that burnout shows up in how we think and feel about our money, and it's it's really hard to envision what a future would look like when all you have experienced is is not having enough money or not not feeling like you're able to work consistently enough and sustainably enough and feel like you're actually thriving in your career and your business development to have the money that you want to have and that you need to have, right? Because I mean, it's not just a want, it's a need. And so we really wanted to shift some of this conversation to let you know that there's other ways that this starts to show up as you get to the other side. Of burnout and and that's that's really important because I think how the hell do we 
begin to navigate where we want to go if we don't know what's possible and how we even are going to start to get there. And Brian and I want to yeah. talk about a little bit of, about how we start to get there because that's really important. And I know for you and I, we both had really big health scare experiences in our life that really shifted our perspective on burnout and health and money and family and values and all of it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many people that that can relate to that experience. What's something that, you know, you might want to share with somebody who might be having their own health struggles right now and their own money journey with that. Yeah, I think, well, for me, I can, you know, I'll just share a little bit about the experience that I went through. Um, and back in 2015, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And at the time it was a indolent, which means very slow growing. So you know, it, it was kind of one of those things where, and it's kind of crazy to think about this when you're diagnosed with cancer and then your oncologist says, well, we're not going to do anything about it because if it's a, if it's a slow growing lymphoma, you just monitor. And if you need to treat it at some point you do, but it's more of kind of like a chronic condition than like a, a life threatening condition. But then in 21, uh, summer of 2021, I had a relapse and it relapsed as a very aggressive lymphoma, which caused me to go through chemotherapy and you know, six rounds of that. And that's where I started to really kind of have these existential conversations with myself, you know, like, what have I been doing, you know, my whole life to this point? And why am I trying to fit into a culture that I don't fit into? Let's go within, let's start to learn, learn from my intuition and follow my intuition a little bit more to, to try to put me in a, a better place for me and for my family. And I don't know, I'm, I'm telling you, like just going through that transformation has made my money mindset completely shift, just a complete 180, where again, it's not the goal. It's just something that's going to help me achieve my goals, you know, and uh, before, yeah. Right. And like before it was, um, um, well, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought there, but that's okay. That's just, in. that's just part of, that's just part of our ADHD way we can. I've got, a, I've got a thousand good. things going through my head right now, you know? <laughs> right. And it's like, oh my God, there it went. It, 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 I loved it. It's what uh, Simon shared on the show. He was like, I have all these whiz pops. And I was like, I love that term. Like all the whiz pops, right? Isn't that so great? <laughs> Simon, see, but it's see, still that's, showing up. This, this is why I love you, Carol Jean, is that like that can happen to me and we can just laugh about it and be like, whatever, it is what it is. We'll move on with the conversation, you know? I mean, and I never felt that and... way before. But the crazy thing oh. is I never felt that way before. And, and in a weird way, that uncomfortable feeling had everything to do with the way I viewed money back then. And, and, you know, we, we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but that just kind of brings it full circle and makes me realize that, you know, that that health scare and going through that real kind of soul searching, I think, is what everybody needs to do if they want to have a healthier mindset. I was forced into it. And what I try to do now is help people not have to be forced into it. Oh, right there. That's that is the beauty of what you do, my friend, right there. And it's so true. It, there, there's this, there's this one philosophy in the Enneagram and it's, it's that where we start to have the transformation is in the, what they call the reckoning. 
And it's when you have these really, and, and for each Enneagram type, it's a different type of reckoning. Um, for me as an Enneagram five, it, it's recognizing that there's so much more than you really realize. And it was, for me, it was, it was losing my health and my kids were young, same, same as you. And so in that you look at your children and you look at your life and your, your health and you're like, the stuff that I was worrying about, that does not matter. There's the things that I need to be really, the things that I really care about. When you think you're, you're dying right then, you think about some different stuff in a very different way. And, you know, I love, I love Dan Pink. Y'all, I don't know if you know Dan Pink, Daniel Pink. He has a book called The Power of Regrets. He's got a ton of books out there, but Oh my gosh. I absolutely love this man. Like if you want to talk about fangirling on somebody, I would so fangirl on this guy, but he's got this book that he wrote called the power of regret. And there's so many things. And he interviewed people. It's like, you know what? And there's tons of research out there. And, and so he kind of dove into what does this look like? It's like, when you're on your deathbed, what are the things that you regret? What are the things that you wish you would have done in your life? And on your deathbed, no one says, I wish I would have worked harder to make more money. It's, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. And so when you talk about finances and planning and the approach to like, I want to help people not have to go through like these major health crises because they're in burnout and their body is shut down. I don't want people to have to go through this reckoning to get to this place of empowerment with their finances. And I love that about you. <laughs> Yeah. And well, thank you. And I, I've actually started recently working with a minimalism coach to mm -hmm. help de declutter our home, declutter my mind, declutter my calendar, and just focus on the essentials, right? Uh, what is it? Uh, Pareto said that 20% um, of our actions lead to 80% of the outcomes. And I'm really trying to, to focus on that. Um, and, and it's funny when when you can actually start to distill down to the essentials, you know, you're, you're spending way less money. You're happier because you're spending money on the things that are most important to you. Yes. And your wealth just keeps going up and up because now you got all this surplus that you're not spending and you're investing it, you know, and then when you start to look out five, 10, 15 years in the future, going back to your earlier, earlier point about, focusing on the possibilities, you start to see these possibilities out there and think, oh my gosh, there are so many amazing things I can do out in the future now because I'm being intentional, you know, and that motivates you to just keep on going. In the financial planning industry, there was always this old saying of plan for the worst, hope for the best. And I totally reject that. I say plan for the best and make sure you're okay with the rest. Oh, that's so good. Because so if you're good. planning for the best, you are, you're motivated. And it, again, you and I have talked about how money is energy, right? Yeah. If you're in a good space, you're happy, you, you know, you're healthy, you know, you're, you're probably going to be more productive and your earning potential is going to go up. Therefore, you're going to invest more and your wealth is going to keep going up. So it's all this positive feedback loop is really the way I try to look at it now. Oh, 100%. And you know what I found really interesting? <laughs> <laughs> when I, when I started to get out of burnout and I started to get in the sustained restoration and it's now four years, it, the energy is not only within myself, like compounding energy. I'm also seeing this compounding energy in my money. 
which has been something I didn't expect. The way that it shows up, there's so much less effort in the way that I used to effort before. It's a very different place. And one of the things that I, I have seen that happened to me in burnout, and I see this happen sort of consistently on a global scale for other people who are experiencing burnout. And it's in that it becomes this, I have to hold on to, or I have this constant need and lack of money. And so it was like, it was so hard for me to get it because I was so, so tight mm -hmm. wound about it. Right. There was so much of this really hard um, energy that I think actually pushed a hell of a lot of it away. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, that makes, that makes total sense to me. So let's kind of dive into a couple of the 10 ways that burnout impacts our money, Brian, because I know you had a couple that stood out to you on this list. So which one is sort of the one that you want to dive into? Well, the biggest one here that just screams in my face is overworking and undervaluing personal time. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so, you know, for that one, it's like that overworking and undervaluing personal time. I mean, burnout often results from excessive work like, right, we're pushing ourselves. But then it's also sometimes it's it's these constant chronic unmet needs in, in all areas of our life. And this can lead to where we are just prioritizing work over everything else because it's like, I only have this finite or small window of energy and I have to work. I have to show up for my job because that's where the money's coming in to pay the bills. So I've got these blinders on and that's all I'm going to focus on. And I'm not going to look at anything else. I'm not going to look at any of the things that I actually need outside of the work that I do. Did that show up for you? Did that kind of, was that part of how it burnout showed up for you, Brian? Yeah, I, I, um, I almost like hid in my work. You know, I didn't want to face any of the things that I needed to address in my personal life. I just went to work, you know, and then I would come home. Well, when I was at home, a lot of times I was traveling and out on the road. But yeah, I just immersed myself in that. And that was like my identity. My entire identity was tied up in my career and, and what I did. Uh, and looking back on that now, I, I cringe because I know that the damage that 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 that, that um, you know damage that that did to me, but uh, yeah, undervaluing personal time, I, I did that all the time. There were so many conversations that I never, for example, like never had with my wife that we should have been having, you know. And then if you're not having those conversations, it just slowly kind of compounds over time and then gets to a point where things boiled over. And we've had a couple of those experiences here, but all of that comes from my inclination in the past to work too much because my identity was tied up in my uh, career. And the reason my identity was tied up in my career was because I, I didn't feel any, not to sound overly dramatic, but I didn't feel a sense of self-worth. I didn't feel like I was worth anything outside of what I did for the companies that I worked for, you know? Oh, I don't know I do. if that answers your question, but. Oh, it does. It, I mean, it does. And I, and I, it's not just you and me that have felt this way. I mean, this is something I hear all the time. And it's one of the things that when you sometimes hit one of those 
level four habanero or a level five ghost pepper when you're so hot, you're not, and everything's kind of starts to shut down. And all you've done is invest in and show up for the identity and, and the worthiness that you've gotten from your job title and what you do in the world. When that gets threatened due to burnout or other uncontrolled or unforeseen things in the world that we don't have any impact or influence on and we lose that title or that job or, you know, something happens and that is no longer what we have, then we have just like this massive identity crisis and we have this worthiness crisis that's like, oh my gosh, you know, and it shows up and it, just like you said, it impacts our relationships, not just with other people. It impacts that relationship that we have been avoiding with ourselves. And so when I think back to when I was in that situation and I think about like what my calendar looked like, it was all just filled up every day with, with work stuff, all the things that I needed to do. And then it was like, okay, um, if I have time outside of that, I'll take care of other things, you know, like in my personal life. And I, I had two separate calendars, the work calendar and the life calendar, which to me now sounds totally ridiculous because now it's just <laughs> one calendar. Right. <laughs> now it's it's just one calendar. And the first thing I put on my calendar is every morning I'm taking my kids to school. Every afternoon I'm picking the kids up from school. Um, every afternoon I'm going for an hour long walk to either just, just walk and listen to some music or walk and listen to a podcast. And then I'm filling in all of my work around that. And so it's just more of a, a life calendar now versus a work calendar. Yes. And, and there's harmony in there. I mean, because we have both, right? And when we're doing the work that that is in alignment with us, that is part of our values, that is part of our strengths and our passion and our purpose in the world, we show up in a very different way in all areas of our life. And we show up in a very different way around our money. So Brian, sure. as we're looking at this list again, is there another element on here? I, like to me, not planning for the future was one that really showed up for me in burnout because I couldn't even envision what my future was because I was so focused on just getting through the moment, making sure that the bills were paid so that the power wasn't going to get cut off or making sure that, you know, I had enough gas just to get to work. And I couldn't even see how I was going to plan for the future because how the heck am I going to plan when I don't even have a plan for right now? And burnout really impacted my ability to, to see those things because I didn't have that need of, of emotional internal safety met. What are some ways that we can start to take sort of those steps in aligning our calendar and our values with our money? Where do we even start with this, Brian? Well, I, I think it goes back to the values. For me, that's where it always begins, right? I look at how do what's you do the most, that? How do I do that? Yeah. Like um, how, do you, how did you start that journey? How did you start looking at that? I mean, it was the, the really the big thing that, that threw me into this was the cancer, you know, and starting to think like, what if I only have 10 years left? Like, I don't think that's the case. I'm 
pretty sure I'm going to live a long time and I'm going to try my best to, right? But please do. What if, I, <laughs> what, what, what if I only had 10 years left? And then I started thinking like, because a lot of people will think, oh boy, 10 years, that's not a long time for someone who's only in their early 40s. And that's true. But then I started thinking of it like, imagine if I was really intentional with how I spend my time and how I spend my money. I could accomplish a lot in 10 years. Like that's a long time to accomplish a lot of things and have a huge impact on the people that are most important to me. And so that's really where I began. So I don't know, you know, again, that was kind of unique to me because I was faced with that health scare and most people aren't. But I think the more you can kind of think in terms of what do I want to accomplish in the next two years, three years, five years, 10 years, instead of here's what my retirement's going to look like in 30 years. You know what I mean? And that's kind of in my industry, that's typically what we've always told people to do is think about your retirement. Well, I say, let's focus on maximizing the quality of our life today. And as a result, oh my God, can more people please feel this way and think this but way? The, <laughs> I mean, that's transformative right there. But, and as a result, that's what helped me to then say, what are the three most important values and how am I going to be intentional with how I'm spending my money? And then as a result, now I've got this financial surplus that can be invested and now my future is going to be fine too. Yeah, because, you know, that compounding interest is just, oh, my goodness, that is just the most beautiful thing in the world when you can get to that place of I'm putting things here to allow them to grow and they're going to do all of the work without me having to effort for it, which is really nice and, and a lot of diversification, right? I couldn't even see before that I even in small chunks and I started, guys, I started with $5 at a time. That's where I started. I mean, I was so broke. I, I was coming out of bankruptcy. I was doing $5 at a time to make sure that I had this diversified portfolio so that money was in different places. But I couldn't get to that point without first checking in with what do I really need? I needed a hell of a lot less to live comfortably than I thought I did. And I needed what I actually needed that lit me up that aligned with my values was not what I had been operating on, which was everyone else's and societal norm values. Yeah. And so really it was almost like I had to burn the boats to take the Island. <laughs> right. Yeah. On this. And it, it's, it can feel really big. And I think that was why it was so important. I didn't, I started this on my own, but once I kind of started to see some of the pieces, then I started to talk to different people. You know, and I started to to get some help and some different perspective because it said that we under we overestimate what we can do in a month and we underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. And when you really apply that to money, boy, that's that's a big conversation. Yeah, no, 100 percent on that. Let's take a look at this list and let's kind of pick one more as we wrap up our conversation. So what's one more of these that, that you think really kind of stands out as sort of in the burnout journey, how it impacted money? What was something that kind of stood out for you in this? Probably I would say the maybe avoiding financial conversations, Ooh, I think was a big one yeah. for me. I already touched on 
you know, I already touched on things like conversations that I wasn't having with my wife. And uh, I think a lot of times we do try to avoid those financial conversations because finances tends to be one of the biggest drivers of stress. And so people want to just say, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to just kind of sweep it under the rug. But then it just continues to build up. And, and we did that for a long time. We never really talked about our finances. And I really wish we would have, because if we had been more intentional a long, long time ago, like I, I had enough when I quit my job, I had enough kind of set aside where I could go, you know, two, three years without any income. I was fortunate enough to be in that situation. But had my wife and I had these conversations on a more regular basis, number one, I don't think I would have been as burned out as I was because I would have had a lot more confidence. You know, I, I wouldn't have had that feeling like I didn't have enough that I mentioned earlier. So I think I think that would have been very helpful. Um, so those those conversations, I think, are and the other funny thing I was going to point out is that it's interesting as a as a financial advisor, somebody who works with people on a regular basis, I'm always talking to other people about their money and helping them with their money situations. And I just ignore my own. And I did that for a long, long time. So if there's one thing that, um, well, there's a lot of things that I would have done differently, but one thing for sure is just having more open and honest communication about money with the people in my life because it touches yes. every aspect of our life. It's not like, it's not like finance is this personal finance is this topic that's off on an Island on its own. It's involved with everything that we do every single day. So we need to be having these conversations. We really do. And, you know, burnout impacts how we communicate. And if you have certain unmet needs that are contributing to your burnout, like a need for authentic connection and communication, um, if you don't have someone that you can authentically sit down and have the conversation with around money, then you're not having it. Um, and that also turns inward is are we having the authentic money communications with ourselves? Do I feel safe to even have the conversation in my own head? Because for me, that was, I, I didn't even feel safe to have that, even think about that conversation with myself in my own head. And I was like, holy cow, I can't even feel comfortable thinking about my money relationship with myself. Like there was so mm -hmm. much shame around how I felt and thought about money that I didn't even have the conversation with myself because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of the fact that I wasn't doing well with it, you know, and I had to like also define what does that mean to manage my money? But I think the biggest, the biggest influence on me in my burnout restoration and sort of how money was impacting because burnout can sometimes be the biggest contributing factor to that constant drain is the constant worry around money. And it was for me for so very long. And I didn't realize that money has a charge that only we give it. Money is neutral. It has no charge. It is not positive. It is not negative. It just is until we, each individual assigns the charge to it being money is negative and it's, it's hard to get. It, it, it takes a lot of efforting. There's never enough of it. You know, those types of charges or, you know, money is what 
allows me to have the tool for the freedom of choice. And I get to, when I have, you know, a certain amount of money, then I can have a certain different degree or level of choices. It's just, you know, those types of things that was really transformative for me because to me, money was always charged in this really negative way. But when I learned well, money's just neutral, how are you thinking about it and feeling about it? That made a big shift for me. Did that yeah. ever show up for you? Totally. Yeah, it totally did. Um, having that that negative mindset about money, it creates a sense of anxiety. And if you have that, you're just you're not going to be at your best self. You know, if you're if you're if you're going to work, whatever it is that you you do, if you're going to your job every day and you're stressed out, which again, money and the lack of having conversations around money is a huge contributor to that then you're just not going to be at your best self. And if you're not at your best self, you're not going to be impressing your bosses. You're not going to be impressing your clients. Your business isn't going to grow. You're not going to be able to move up the ladder if that's your goal. And so it really does impact that. And, and I, think, I think you're spot on when you say that money is really energy. And I think a lot of people hear that and they think it's like, oh, what kind of woo-woo kind of stuff is that? But like it is the reality. I've been having conversations actually with like, you know, these kind of old school Wall Street talking heads, you know, on LinkedIn and we get into debates and all that kind of stuff. And they're very firmly into the, um, you know, kind of traditional views of money. And one thing I've been talking about trying to open their minds to, which I'm having a little bit of trouble, is that money literally is imaginary. Like it, it it's a construct. It's a of construct. The human imagination. <laughs> like it, <Right>. <laughs> so why is the goal of a business to maximize the quarterly, the amount of quarterly imaginary currency that we have? Shouldn't the goal of business to be to achieve something, achieve some sort of mission and money is just kind of the fuel to help you achieve that mission? So anyways, I bring that up because when you start viewing money, in that way, it changes everything, you know, and I, one thing I wanted to mention too, is as you were talking before, I was thinking about how, um, there's all these different aspects of wellness. There's physical wellness, our health, there's our mental wellness or mental well-being. Then there's our financial wellness. And it's like the, I guess we kind of all talk about physical wellness because we have to go to the doctor and get a physical, you know, every year and, you know, we all want to exercise and, and eat right and be healthy. Like we talk about the physical part, but we never talk about financial wellness and we never talk about mental wellness. And if we get those two things right, then the physical wellness will probably be okay too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The, our physical state is a result of those things, right? All the stuff that happens in our head and in, in our emotional world shows up in our physical body. When we are experiencing distress, that's the negative form of stress. And we burnout is chronic, consistent, unmet needs where we have experienced distress for long periods of time. It manifests and shows up in your body, in your physical experience. And one of the things that can influence that is our financial health and well-being, which is really why I wanted to have this conversation and you were the perfect person to have it with today. And I thank you so much. So if people want to do their own little health and financial wellness checkup, get some guidance and help from you, 
how can they get in touch with you, Brian? I've got your links down in the show notes, but like, is it better for them to just to hit you up in DMs on LinkedIn? Is that the best place to find you? Or, you know, just kind of drop into your website and check you out and send you a message. What works best for you? Yeah. Website is reflectivewealth.com. Um, and then LinkedIn is the social media platform that I'm active on. So definitely give me a follow on there or let's connect. And I like how you said a financial checkup, you know, like that's exactly how I view it. Like I view myself as like a financial guide and mentor more than anything else. And so people will come to me, ask some questions. We'll have a conversation. If I can help them, great. Um, If not, I'll point them in the right direction. I actually, I have a newsletter that I've been sending out on a pretty regular basis and I've turned that into less of a business development tool. Like when I first started my newsletter, I was like, okay, this is, I got to do this because that's what businesses do today. They have newsletters to try to, you know, get more leads coming into the business. But now the way I look at that is um, for people that don't necessarily want a full on financial advisor engagement, I'll send out a newsletter on a weekly basis. And now I'm getting feedback from my subscribers on what they want to hear about. What are some things that are important for me to talk about? And then they can schedule a 15 minute call just to bounce questions off me. And and that's totally fine and totally free. And if you want to move up and you need some more help with your situation, there's paid services as well. So I hope that my industry starts to move in that direction at a larger scale. Oh man. And and I love that you do that. So guys, be sure, you know, if you've got questions, go check out the newsletter, get some resources, set up that 15 minute free consultation and just get some guidance and know that, look, you can bring all the baggage. It's okay. Brian has seen it, felt it, experienced it himself. You are not going to tell him anything that he isn't going to like get it when you share it. It's okay. Cause there's so much that we carry around not getting help because we feel ashamed or we feel like we failed or we haven't adulted properly. If we've got some financial challenges and guys, I will tell you, I was a financial nightmare. I was a mess and it took a lot for me to get to the place to start asking for help. But when I did, that's when my money financial health transformed. And I, I was able to see that, you know, Hey, this is just what I've experienced at this point. It doesn't mean that I'm not worthy, that I'm not good. It doesn't mean that I didn't do it right. It just meant that I didn't have the right guidance. I hadn't had the right people speaking those, those things into my life to help me understand what money really is. And so Brian does it beautifully. And if you can connect with him, please do that. I hope that this episode has been helpful for you. Um, Next week, I will drop out onto social so you guys know when it's up and available. And I will send it out to our Spicy Pepper VIP email list. And if you are not yet on that Spicy Pepper VIP email list, be sure you go to mindyourautisticbrain.com, get signed up, and you will get all of the links, all of the free early access to things. And that includes the Brain Dump blog, where I will go deep into all 10 of these areas. We'll talk about how does burnout affect and impact your money and what are some ways to start transforming that. Thank you so much for joining us today. Brian Hewn, you are an amazing resource and I absolutely love to talk to you. And thank you for being part of this and sharing your burnout and your money journey to help guide and help other people with theirs. Guys, as we wrap up the show today, Thank you so much for being here and for joining us on Beyond Autistic Burnout. I hope you feel energized and empowered to take on the challenges ahead. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Let's stay connected. Follow me on social media, join our thriving community, and and subscribe to the podcast for more transformative episodes. 
together, we'll continue to break free from burnout, money challenges, and unlock our authentic selves. Until next time, this is Carol Jean Whittington signing off for today. Keep thriving, my friends. Bye-bye.